welcome to episode 157 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guest, Dr. Mani Kukreja. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today, thankfully, by Dr. Mani. Dr. Mani, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Likewise. I'm glad to be here. Can you give us a quick introduction of who you are and what it is that you do? So my name is Dr. Mani, and I am an integrative wellness and health practitioner. So I have a virtual practice where I help my patients to reset and optimize their health, taking care of, you know, if they have any overweight problems or diabetes, hormonal issues, skin problems, gut problems, immunity-related issues. So all that kind of stuff, you know, and taking care of that with the help of integrative optimization and holistic approach. So there's a lot there's a lot there obviously that's a wide range of conditions and things to to pay attention to but I think if, as most people start to understand health a little bit better now that we realize that there's way more interaction and overlapping between a lot of these conditions due to aging as a big blanket term or inflammation or just the stressors of society and the world and it seems like oh I do all of these things but really it's it's a lot of interrelated stuff is that fair to say that is perfectly fair. And that's why it's just so hard to define aging as such. You know, there's just no simple, uh, there's just no simple definition. Basically, in umbrella term, in a broad term, we can define aging as a slow decline biologically and physiologically at all the levels, at cellular level, at molecular level, at tissue level, organ level, and then system level. And then, you know, when this happens, it increases your risk for age-related diseases, that is diabetes, obesity, cancer, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease. And then further, basically complicating and reducing your uh, lifespan and health span. But, you know, physically, all these aging stuff, you know, how people know that they're aging, physical manifestation of aging is just like gray hair, frailty, loss of muscle, bone mass loss, you know, and tiredness and forgetfulness, gray hairs, wrinkles, all these are basically physical manifestations. So this is just the overall term that we explain to people, you know, this is aging, but it doesn't come simple as just one term. It comes as a complication of so much inflammation, so much oxidation that increases in the body, so much decreased ability to detoxify all those toxins out of body. And, you know, these are the three processes which happens during the process of aging. Increased inflammation, increased oxidation, and decreased ability to detoxify the toxins. And when these kind of uh, all mishaps um, accumulate in the body at the cellular level, that causes aging. But the good news is, you know, I mean, there are so many theories of aging. You know, the aging scientists, longevity scientists, they had proposed so many theories. And initially, long back, it was thought that this is all basically genetically embedded in your code, in your cellular codes, you know. So it's inevitable. But the other scientists, through publications and through so much scientific research, they like, you know, okay, no, this is all because of your lifestyle issues. They are because of your poor nutrition. They are either because of your poor sleep hygiene or, you know, lack of exercise. Other scientists said that these are in totally due to the chemical toxins, which are all around us, you know, like all environmental toxins. We are now in these days, we are all loaded with environmental toxins around us. We, we are exposed to all the BPAs in the plastics. We are exposed to phthalates in the skincare and cosmetics. You know, we are exposed to uh, all those glycophates. Uh, in the pesticides and our food is all exposed to that, you know, and mercury fillings, you know, uh, dental procedures and our water is not clean. Our water is loaded with all those heavy metals, you know, all the EMF and radiation, all those kind of toxins cause huge toll on our DNA. They cause DNA toxicity and then they cause cellular damage. So combination of all that stuff that we just talked about, you know, the lifestyle and environmental as well as genetic you know, the combination of all that causes aging. But the good news that I tell people, you know, it's only 20% genetic, it's all 80% lifestyle. That means we can still correct some of these parameters and we can take control of the aging. You know, we can at least take control of all these age-related diseases at their speed. And uh, sometimes we can even re reverse them if we are taking the right steps, if we are, if we are actually, you know, um, taking the right interventions to control those stuff. I think it's super helpful for people to understand, and this is certainly not the first time we've talked about this here, but 
super helpful to understand that your genetics do play a role, but you can't control that. And so spending so much time worrying about that and and stressing over that when you have this giant other bucket called your lifestyle that you can directly influence by your actions and that's going to make a greater impact on your genetics and on the outcomes of this now maybe you know more cutting edge science will allow us to actually alter our genetics and you know who who knows what that brings with it um, but I think it's really helpful for people to know that hey you have a way more ability to impact this positively than you think you can so another, yeah, very good. An, another thing, thank you. Another thing with this, I I often see you know, people talk about like preventing aging or anti aging is kind of some of the, the the buzzword, and I think like you know aging is I don't know that we can stop it. Like time is going to pass, so you're you are going to age. Now maybe we can slow down the age-related diseases that come with it or prevent age-related diseases. And so, you know, getting gray hair is not like, that's not a death sentence. It's just gray hair. It's just a cosmetic looking thing. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here at all, but it's just a cosmetic thing on the outside, maybe wrinkled skin, fine. But like really what we're trying to prevent is fixing our lifestyle so that we don't have age-related diseases, but the aging itself is not necessarily the issue. And you know, you'll have more insight on that, but that that's one way that I think about this anti-aging term sometimes is can be misleading. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, it's just aging is not a problem. It's just the tons of issues and tons of age-related complications that comes along. And if you have no tools, no wisdom, no experience, no education to control those age-related problems, then it becomes then it becomes a matter, and then it becomes an issue. So you know. <clears throat> We say, okay, we aging is all about extending the lifespan. But uh, for me, it's all about extending your health span. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to spend the last 10, 15 years of your life uh, when you're nice, healthy, you're not dependent, you're able to carry on all your work by yourself, you know, um, that, that makes the, that makes the whole thing so much better. So it's all, it's just not about lifespan extension. It's all about health span. It's making your life better. It's, it's actually having all those, uh, quality of life, you know, those last years of your life, uh, that bucket, the whole bucket of life is basically extending the quality of that, uh, you know, number of years that you have lived on earth. So I think that for me, that is the main essence of, you know, anti-aging. I would not, that's why I agree with you totally. You cannot control aging, you know. I know there, there's there been so much buzz on social media here and there and Google and internet and everything around you. You hear people, okay, I want to live until 140 years. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. That's fine. But, you know, it's, I think it's just the social stuff, you know. It's just not avoidable, but just living with good quality of years, I think that matters to me a lot. There's also the going too far on these things. Like if you spend every waking moment of your day avoiding every single environmental stretch stressor and in turn stressing about avoiding stressors and doing all of these things and you're not actually like having fun with your friends or do having any experiences like what is the point of, you know, maybe your body will be physically healthy, but you're not enjoying your life. So you live to 200 and enjoy zero days of your life. Like what what did you really gain by doing that? I, I don't know. So like there has to be some healthy balance of this, of course, with anything, you know, people want to be, you know, super, you know, big and strong and shredded and six pack and whatever. But at some point it's like, well, for, for what, like for what reason? And if you are, you know, shortcoming or, or sacrificing too much enjoyment in your life just for some other goal that is going to bring you enjoyment, you're not really, you're not really accomplishing anything there. So Absolutely. there's, there's definitely a fine line yeah. there. Absolutely. I mean, there's got to be definitely balance of, I mean, you cannot be having all that cortisol level increased and raised, just thinking what you're going to do in a day to control your uh, speed of aging, right? So there's definitely got to be balance for everything. And that's, that's the essence. So what are some of the big considerations or maybe diseases, if if you will, um, that come with age that we should be really thinking about here? 
So mostly aging is accompanied by the four or five main chronic metabolic diseases, and they are chronic. You know, inflammation, let's start with inflammation. Inflammation is just the basic term that we say, okay, uh, when your body basically fights with all the external stressors. And that's a natural, that, that's very natural. That happens, it's a it's basically body's protective mechanism, right? When it happens acutely, it's, it basically protects you from the external injuries, it body, it's a body's natural defense mechanism. But you know, when this inflammation becomes chronic or long term, that is actually the main reason that causes the risk for all the metabolic diseases, all chronic metabolic diseases. And these are diabetes, obesity, cancer, and cardiovascular disease. So when there's an inflammation of long term in nature, uh, that basically is the main trigger for all these um, chronic metabolic diseases. Can you elaborate on how obesity is a disease of inflammation? Obesity is a disease because obesity, see, I mean, if you think about the fat cells in our body, so there are two kinds, you know, there's a visceral fat, that's a fat around our viscerals, around our organs, you know, around liver, and blood vessels, around heart, and around spleen and kidney. So that is all called visceral fat. And then there's another fat that is, uh, that's a basically brown fat, and which is around our subcutaneous tissue, which is what we see in our, you know, sides and here. So when this fat, which is white fat, which is called visceral fat, is really risky. It's, it's, it's a main cause uh, for actually all these uh, uh, chronic uh, diabetes and cardiovascular disease. When this fat accumulates in the blood vessels, it causes heart disease, cardiovascular disease, stroke. When it uh, accumulates around the vessels of the kidney, it causes nephropathy. And when this fat accumulates around pancreas, it decreases the efficiencies of pancreas to actually secrete insulin in order to neutralize the blood sugar, right? And when blood sugar cannot be neutralized by insulin, insulin is a hormone that actually goes and, you know, bind with the receptors and neutralize all the blood sugar level. It sucks the blood sugar and basically bring the sugar or glucose molecule in to be stored in liver, uh, to be stored in muscles and liver um, as, as glycogen molecule. So when there is not enough glucose, you know, you, your body's cells need glucose for functioning because glucose is a fuel. But when there is so much sugar present in your blood all the time, it causes advanced glycation. And that advanced glycation of all the protein molecules, the nucleic acid molecules, the fatty molecules, when it causes the glycation of all that, that is pro-inflammatory. That means your body produces all those bad inflammatory cells around that area, and then that basically causes that uh, accumulation of fat around the visceral. That obesity is that's how obesity is related to the inflammation. So there's a lot of inflammation going on around these fat cells. Uh, so so that's the and you see how they are all interconnected. They're all interrelated to each other. You're eating more. You're suffering from pre-diabetes. One day you will suffer from diabetes. At the same time, all that glucose is not being neutralized. That high insulin level is being produced from pancreas. High insulin level is the hormone. High insulin level actually initiates the production of more fat cells. And all that fat cell sits around the tire, around, you know, around your navel area, around your belly fat. And that's very high risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So you see how inflammation started and then we had pre-diabetes and then we have obesity and that's a risk factor for the cardiovascular disease. Plus also, increased blood sugar is a risk factor for cancer. You know, all these cancer cells are bizarre cells. They're crazy cells. They are the overgrowth. Uh, they are just, you know, they are, they are crazy cells who, which are multiplying with no function, with no sense. They are just multiplying. But if they have constant presence of sugar or glucose as fuel, they will keep multiplying. There'll be constant growth of the cancer. So if you want to just shut down the growth of cancer, you need to be basically right it. I mean, right from the beginning in your lifestyle, just consume, you know, controlled sugar and carbohydrates. So that's, that's how all the stuff is so much interrelated with each other and everything starts with inflammation. Right. So, so it's more of a cycle with multiple entry points and then it continues to feed itself back. Like you may not, you may become obese 
you're not obese because you're inflamed, but you may become more inflamed as you become more obese, which helps you, which causes you to become more obese, which makes you become more inflamed, which leads to this whole like, you know, again, yeah. just this negative cycle that just continues to feed itself. No, no pun intended there. Exactly. Um, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle that goes on and on and on. And that's why we, you might have seen you know, the kind of patients sometimes we see who are chronic sufferer of all these problems you know you see uh, they are fat as well as they're diabetic plus also they have the cardiovascular problem because if you're diabetic if you have obesity it's there i mean there is no way that your cholesterol level is going to be normal you're going to your lipid panel is going to be totally disturbed you're you're going to have bad cholesterol you have ldl and when you have high ldl uh, you will have the accumulation of plaques and atherosclerosis in your blood vessels and then then that's the road to cardiovascular disease you know so totally yeah yeah it, it it i think it's very helpful for people it can sound overwhelming where it's like oh there's so many things to consider but you don't have to actually pay attention to each of these things because if you just kind of stop it at if you stop the cycle then the whole cycle stops right, right? right. if you if you prevent yourself from becoming obese control your inflammation if you stop any one of these things then then you're going to be doing yourself a huge huge favor right. uh, for 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 many many years and and it's also reversible is that fair to say all of these it things is, it is i mean 80% is totally correctable if you just manage your lifestyle and if you manage all that is in your own control it is 80% correctable i mean the, the, it can be even reversible totally uh, I mean, there are, I mean, uh, we tell people, you know, at least look about, there are, there are easy things around you, especially, ex especially starting from exercise, right? I mean, it's such an easy, it's, uh, uh, but you know, people who don't do it, you know, they just don't get into it. And that's why it's just hard um, to explain people. But I think the right education can really motivate them to basically start from the basic level, start doing something for yourself, just move, you know, moving uh, moving is detrimental. <laughs> you cannot be just sitting on the couch. It's going to be nasty. I mean, your health is going to be just declining every day. So if you don't do anything uh, at athletic level or in, in, you don't have any workout protocol, at least just walk. And then, you know, when these people start to walk and then they like it and then they start to see the difference in their health improvement, uh, I tell, okay, now start to jog and then start to run. You know, if you don't like running, just start to do some kind of, you know, uh, muscle, I mean, resistance training, you know, even for 30 minutes, even for uh, 20 to 30 minutes initially to begin with is perfectly fine. But make your goal uh, to 150 minutes to 300 minutes if you're in, involved in some moderate level exercises. And if you're doing the high intensity exercise, 75 minutes are good enough for the whole week, 75 minutes to 150 minutes per week. So it basically depends on your likings and your goal, uh, whether you want to basically have more endurance uh, or you want to gain strength in your muscles. If you want to gain strength, then you will be more involved with the resistance training and weight training. But if you want, if your goal is to basically get more endurance and good for your heart health, then you will be involved in the aerobic exercise and HIIT trainings. Yeah, and and ideally people are engaging in in both and all of the both things, is. right? But but I think the most important thing is that if you're someone who feels like oh no, I'm 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 in this cycle. Maybe I'm pre-diabetic. Maybe I'm currently obese. Maybe you know whatever. You can get out of it and you don't have to overhaul your entire life overnight at the snap of a fingers. You can just start walking, like start wherever you are. And it doesn't have to even be exercise. I think exercise, obviously, I'm biased towards that. Um, and I think many people are. I think it's a very tangible thing that people understand. There's an immediate benefit, uh, immediate, immediately tangible benefit of exercise. You go for a walk, you feel better. Oh, wow. That was awesome. Versus, you know, you eat a salad, maybe you don't feel better right away. It's not as tangible sometimes, uh, the the positive effect of it, uh, or especially taking supplements. Like, sure, that can be the that can be the entrance point, but you know, you, you take a couple magnesium capsules, like. You're not going to feel anything the first time you take that. It's not going to all of a sudden be like, oh, this was the missing key. This was the only thing that I needed to be doing. But so you start where you are, you start with what you like, and then you continue to expand upon that. And then we can get into more of the weeds of like, hey, you know, this type of training is better than this type of training for X, Y, Z reasons and for these specific goals. But the reality is like, just start moving if you're not exercising. And I'd, I'd be shocked if anyone who's listening to this episode is current, like who listens to this podcast, like doesn't exercise. If you're not, 
Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what I've been doing wrong. 150 episodes in and we're not, but <laughs> Hey, um, so yeah, so, so I assume yeah, you are just continuing to do that though. Totally. I mean, exercise, I tell people that this is the basic, it's the elixir of youth. You know, there's mm. nothing better than exercise. That's the first step that I will actually have my clients get involved in. You know, even before supplementation, before anything. I mean, there's no supplementation, there's no medication that can be as good for anti-aging as exercise is. You know, just start with some, uh, just think about it for four simple steps, you know, so they should, there has to be some pushing, some pulling, some uh, air, uh, you know, some aerobic workout, and then definitely leg work. So I tell my people, you know, okay, start with, if you don't have time, just start with a little bit of bench press, which is going to involve some pushing and pulling, air squats, and then jumping jacks for your aerobics. You know, if you're doing even those three for 10 to 20 minutes, you're good enough. I have some clients, uh, Danielle, who are like, you know, who tells me they are the owner and CEOs of the company, like, we don't have time, money, how are we going to do it? But, you know, there's been a recent research that uh, there's a kind of protocol for exercise. It's called Vilpa. I don't know if you've heard of it. V-I-L-P-A. V is vigorous. I, intensity. L means lifestyle. P-A is physical activity. So this is vigorous intensity. Um lifestyle physical activity which is basically that even if you're working in your office just for one to three minutes very high intensity exercise do that so that you can bring your maximum heart rate you can bring your heart rate to 80 percent of your mhr maximum heart rate if you're able to do that three to five times in a day just one to three minutes of exercise three to five times in a day so it is so beneficial that with this recent study that's been published, it says that, you know, it kind of just um, it decreases your all-cost modality to 30 to 40%. That's a huge number. I mean, when you see that you have uh, again and again more and more research, more and more science that uh, shows that actually sheds light on so much benefits of exercise, why would you not do it, you know? I mean, it's just utmost important. It seems, I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer. I'm with you. I can't understand why anyone wouldn't be exercising at, at yeah. this point with all the knowledge we have in the world. But yeah. I think, you know, another helpful tip to, to just to highlight there is that it doesn't have to always be a one hour or hour and a half workout with a, with, you know, all kinds of crazy exercises and stuff. Like one of my, a, cl- a client who I have right now, who's doing extremely well, he's very busy, owns a, owns a company and all these things. He works out for 25 to 30 minutes a day. That's like the max time when he came to me, he's like, oh, that's, that's the only time I have. I can commit to doing that every day, but I, I can only do that. Like, don't give me an hour and a half workout. It's not going to happen. Exactly. I said, great. That's fine. And I said, you know, the only expectation is, Hey, you're not going to become Mr. Olympia by doing this. Like we got to set expectations, but as far as your health and, and a little bit of weight loss and these things and feeling better. Yeah, absolutely. That's phenomenal. And intensity is just the bigger, is the bigger thing. Exactly. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's important. And then, um, because you see, I mean, especially I tell, I have a lot of, uh, women clients more than 40 years of age, you know, especially after the age of 40, you lose your muscle, uh, five to eight percent. And, uh, when this, uh, five to eight percent reduction in the muscle loss and muscle is such an important organ of your body, you know, it's like a, it's like a sink for glucose disposable disposing mm. right it because all your glucose is basically disposed off in the muscle so that your blood sugar level is basically maintained and optimized you know so uh, to in order to have good amount of muscle and at least optimized amount of muscle as per your age exercise is so important so totally for that yeah do you think that that age related muscle loss is is a naturally occurring thing like if someone was still exercising and still strength training they started when they were 20 and you know they've been training consistently and now they're 60 would they still be experiencing that loss of muscle or is it mostly because a very very large percentage of people 40 plus just stop exercising and then therefore they start losing muscle actually there are so many factors um uh, Daniel, the very first thing, the hormones, they play an important role. I mean, these are something very intrinsic that comes with aging and cannot control. Um, hormones like testosterone, estrogen for women, you know, women are actually, uh, all this estrogen is so cardioprotective. Um, the testosterone, uh, when they decline, your muscle strength uh, reduces and then your strength to do the exercise and all that, you know, you're on a slow decline. But by exercise, 
But at the same time, think about this by exercise, you are also increasing the level of your testosterone, right? So it's a, it's a natural booster of testosterone. Plus also muscles, just like you said, anything that doesn't get used, you lose it. You lose anything that you don't use it, right? So muscles, if they are into constant action, it's just like an elastic, it's just like an elastic spindle. Mm-hmm. It's a spindle cells, right? So if you keep stretching it, and then when you stretch it, when all those muscles, when you move your body, you stretch the muscles, you do all those resistance training, you are basically causing those microscopic tear in the muscle cells. And that's actually a kind of a intentional stress on the muscle cells. That's called hormesis. And because of that, it initiates your anti-aging hormones. So by exercising, you even if you are on a road to decline, thinking about your age is causing the decline in the hormones, but at the same time, by exercising, you are increasing and boosting your hormones, right? At the same time, you are causing the stress on the muscles by exercising. But, you know, when there's a microscopic tear, uh, your body actually sense that stress as uh, basically as a kind of hormesis, and then your body sends all those anti-aging genes to repair that stress, to repair those muscle cells. And then there's a rejuvenation of new muscle cells. So you see, when you have those new muscle cells, your muscle strength is going to be increased. And then also I tell my patients that within 90 minutes after you finish your exercise, try to come back home, consume some uh, protein, which is high in BCAA, uh, branched-chain amino acids, particularly leucine, because leucine is a muscle booster. It is Leucine is the amino acid which actually causes the repair of that muscle. So when you have caused enough damage on the muscle by doing those resistance exercise, then you boost uh, feed feed your muscle cells with the help of leucine, that amino acid that you particularly need, then you have the production of those new muscle cells which are much energetic, which are rejuvenated. So, I mean, um, that that's the way. I mean, e- you're basically fighting against aging, right? Yeah. Aging is causing all those declines, but you know those strategies that you got to do in order to fight against aging. So, yeah. uh, definitely, I mean, um, <clears throat> to your question, you like you asked that, can you even gain muscles after the age of 50? Definitely, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, again, one of these things that's been overblown. Oh, you lose muscle. Well, you don't. You, you lose muscle if you don't do anything about it. <laughs> sure, if you just sit there, you're going to lose muscle. But uh, you can definitely do something about it, and therefore, y- you should. Um, getting into a little bit more detailed things, and just because you mentioned leucine there, what are some foods or some things that people should be eating that, that are higher in leucine um, as their their post-workout meals or to optimize their, their muscle building? I mean, particularly for leucine, my main source is the protein powder because it's rich, especially the whey protein, which is rich in BCAA. I've also started to take, uh, for last six months, uh, these uh, amino aminos, which are pure BCAA that provides me five grams of leucine, isoleucine, valine, all those three amino acids, which are particularly very, very important for muscle building. I mean, food-wise, definitely I like to consume animal protein because there is no no plant protein that can give you enough BCAA, definitely. I like to consume the animal protein. I like to consume my chicken and protein content of my day overall. I know I cannot, I tell my people to try to go, the goal should be one gram of protein per um, pound of your body weight. But even if you are able to meet the goal of consuming 100 grams per day, that's okay. You know, that's okay because it's life. Some people just don't have enough desire to eat. And, you know, if you're not eating enough in a day, all three or four times in a day, you cannot just get so much protein in a day. So uh, make a goal. If you can just consume one gram per uh, ideal body weight, ideal body weight in pounds, it's perfect. But if not, at least try to consume 100 grams per day. Yeah, I like that. It's it's always like, you know, that's the that's the the standard. That's what you should be aiming for. But if you're a little bit below that, it's it's going to be okay, right? It's going to be okay. Same on the leucine thing. It's like yeah. you don't really need to, I don't think people need to concern themselves with that all that much. Like if you're eating a sufficient amount of protein and from animal protein sources, then you're going to get enough leucine. 
And if you're vegan, then I, I can't help you. Listen to a different person. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, there's no no uh, vegan source or vegetarian source of protein where I've seen that you'll be able to gain all those muscle building amino acids. It's just yeah. they are uh, they are not they are the incomplete source of all the amino acid profile that you need to have for the muscle protein synthesis. Agreed. Um, so what are some other supplements that people might be able to use? Let, let, let's, let's assume that people are exercising. People got that, got that in their diet is, you know, they have lots of protein. They've got, uh, they're, they're eating their vegetables. They're not eating overly, uh, sugary or fatty or processed foods. Um, what is maybe a next step of something, uh, that you can start to add into your, into your routine supplement wise? I think, Daniel, the most important supplement, which I wanted to actually, I'm, <laughs> emphasize so much on that and these are all low-hanging fruits you know which you can simply just take a pill and then fill in all those deficiencies right these are vitamin d because all of us literally all of us at least 70 percent of u.s population is deficient in vitamin d and the reason for that is because vitamin d is the only vitamin that your body synthesizes you know it's synthesized on skin and from skin when you get exposed to the sunlight and we guys are not so exposed to the sun, sunlight and also as our ancestors used to be as like 300 years ago. I mean, everybody was walking, hunter, gather, you know, farming, agriculture, all that kind of routine and norms in life. You were just automatically exposed to sunlight. But then our lifestyle nowadays is just so different. We all know, like, you know, technology sitting in and all the time, you know, cell phones, this and that. But just we are not exposed to sunlight. And the second reason that we are not getting enough uh, vitamin D is because we have we slather ourselves with all the sun Mm -hmm. protection, you know, for protecting ourselves from UVA and UVB, which I don't deny, which is needed, definitely, because you want to save yourself from skin cancers and, you know, all those melanomas. They are devastating. But... Uh, you know, I try my people to at least get out in the sun during morning time before 9 a.m. at least and after 4 p.m. You know, try to consume some kind of sunlight as much as possible before uh, during those times. So just don't expose yourself in between 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. because those kind of UV radiations are really bad, too bad. I mean, they have too much intensity of UVA and UVB. But at least before 9 a.m., around 9 a.m., and after 4 p.m., get yourself exposed to the sunlight and then consume the tablets, consume the pills, you know, look for some good source, clean source of vitamin D because vitamin D is needed for your cell membrane. It's needed for your hormones. It's needed for your immunity. Also, it's needed for serotonin. That is to boost your mood, you know. You need it for every single function in the body. And uh, these micronutrients, and I wanted to bring this for people who are listening to us, these micronutrients. Micronutrients are basically all the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, all these together, they are called uh, micronutrients and they are utmost important for us. And these are always, you know, overlooked and understudied totally ignored kind of, you know, and especially in developed countries and USA, we all are very deficient in micronutrients like magnesium. Omega-3 fatty acids, uh, iodine, our iodine levels are getting just depleted. Our vitamin D is so low, our B12 is so low. And there's a reason for all that, you know, our soil is all depleted. You know, we don't get enough iodine and enough magnesium from the soil because our soil is totally depleted. And at the same time, we are not eating enough greens. You know, like we'll talk about magnesium definitely, but to, uh, I mean, or talking about micronutrients, these are these are, this is the area which was totally ignored in health, you know, uh, even while doing the research and funding the research for that. And people are not aware of that. You know, there are many people, even doctors, when I tell them that micronutrient is a big problem and they're like, what are you talking? What is micronutrient? So micronutrient to the people who are listening are all the vitamins, minerals, and uh, fatty acids. Yeah. I, I wonder why. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely not the biggest thing like if someone is not exercising not sleeping not you know drinking water like very very basic stuff like you know taking a magnesium and a vitamin d is not going to save you but it's definitely going to help and for the most part they're actually like fairly cost effective now supplement companies and the industry itself because maybe this is why it's been overlooked in some sense is because 
you can't claim like a patent on uh, on magnesium or vitamin D. And so yeah. anyone who wants to can make their own vitamin D supplement. And then it's, you know, very poor quality. There's very bad quality control and distribution and, and all this stuff. And most of the supplement companies are, are garbage out there. Um, and, and so you get this problem. And so doctors, and, and to some extent, rightfully so, start to be like, no, just, just, just avoid them because they don't know what you're taking. And you also don't know what you're taking. Like getting the cheapest one available is probably not the best option, That's but the best. getting the one that your favorite influencer markets is probably also not a good not option. Like, option yeah. There's there's something in between there and you really, really, really have to do your yeah. research for this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I totally agree with you. You got to be doing your research in order to figure out which one is the right brand for you, which one is, I mean, look for uh, the third party testing, see what dosage are you consuming. And I also really emphasize on before starting any vitamins or all these uh, micronutrients that we are going to talk about before and after taking them for at least three months, three to six months, do your testing. You know, you need to really know your levels, what it was before and how much difference has it made after you've been taking it for a few months, right? Because anything that doesn't get measured, it cannot be managed. Mm -hmm. You really need to measure your biomarkers. Otherwise, you would have no idea. I mean, unless you see the picture, how do you know what you're deficient in and what are you going to do to improve this, right? So that's why, like, you know, start doing your research just don't get carried away by anybody telling you that this is this this is good or seeing something very first on the google internet search is not the way to go about it just read the label look for every third party testing uh, do your research look at the dosage and also see that it is not mixed with some other component which can actually uh, basically uh, make the bioavailability of that particular component little inefficient so just make yeah. sure that if you're taking vitamin D, it's not kind of just mixed with some other component, which is kind of just uh, diluting all the effects of it, you know. Yeah. And I, 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 people ask, like, you know, what's the right dose? It depends. I mean, that's why I say always get your some. If you are, if your vitamin D level is around 30, I would rather have you getting started at 5,000 IU per day. But like for me, I started with 30, which was too low, but now I'm on like 70, which is too good, you know? So I'm back on my 1,000 IU, which is just a maintenance level. Mm -hmm. So that's why, oh, you can always tighter your dose depending on what your levels are. So just don't keep on blindly taking it because it can cause toxicity too. So level less than 30 is insufficient. So take your dose accordingly. And if you can bring it to 50 to 70, which is excellent. Yeah. So I think that's that's yeah. so important to say because if you don't know why you're taking something, you're just you, you may just be wasting your money and maybe yeah. even causing harm, which is more important than than wasting your money. Like you you I think it's probably pretty difficult for most people, but you could take you could overdo it on vitamin D for yeah, taking way too much for, for, for way too long. Exactly. It's definitely possible. Exactly. And, and and any other supplement as well. Yeah. So you really have to be paying attention to your levels and, and also pay attention to how you feel when you take them and how they interact with you. Like there's some people that are like, oh, this, you know, this whatever supplement really upset my stomach. And it's like maybe just a different brand with a certain different ingredient list for that same main ingredient um, works for them and doesn't upset their stomach. But you have to really pay attention to those things. And so that's probably why it's a good idea to not, don't introduce like seven different things at once, like just one at a time, see how it's going and then, and then continue to expand from there. Absolutely. And, and these are the things which are just all, I mean, you are well aware of, if you are well aware with your knowledge and all around you, just low hanging fruit, you don't have to really work hard to go get it. You know, there's no hassle. And then also look for uh, definitely magnesium. Magnesium is involved literally in 300 enzymatic activities in your body. You know, like uh, when I say enzymatic activity, the most important is like, you know, your body is constantly going through your, all your cells are constantly working. They are going through replication. They're dividing. When cell divide, you know, all that process leads to the end products, byproducts and all those byproducts that keep getting collected in the surrounding tissue that, that causes inflammation because that causes the production of a molecule called ROS, that is reactive oxygen species that causes increased oxidation, you know. And whenever a cell divide, there is always a damage to the, cell, uh, to the DNA. 
So there is a little damage to the DNA every time the cell divides. And we know that our cells are dividing all the time. They are multiplying all the time in order to do every single function in our body. We are breathing, we are running, we are thinking, focusing, doing yard work. Our metabolism is running. Anything that's happening in our body is basically based on the cellular functioning. And every time the cell is dividing, there's a little damage to the DNA. So when this damage to the DNA accumulates and you don't clear away that damage, you know, all that accumulation of damage causes the collection of all those end products or byproducts of the cellular functioning. And that is the environment for uh, mute, uh, mutation of the cells, right? Uh, so that causes uh, increased risk of cancer that causes increased risk of oncogenic activity around that tissue. So we need to clear up that. So that's where the role of an enzyme, which is called DNA polymerase. So that DNA polymerase is most important enzyme that is involved with DNA synthesis as well as DNA repair. And we need that enzyme. It's at most important because if it is not present, we are going to be falling victim of cancer, right? So that's why all these enzymatic activities are all supported by magnesium. So that's why the role of magnesium is so important in your body, not only for enzymatic activities, for your muscle repair, for your mood, to lower down your cholesterol, to lower down your blood pressure, we need magnesium. And around, um, you know, as per RDA, 400 mg per day for adult dose, you know. And again, look for the right supplement, basically. Do your testing before and later so that those, you know, just basic steps, you know, it's just an important, very, very important uh, mineral in your body that you need. 100% agreed. It's one of the things that I that I use regularly and that I've, you know, advise a lot of people to think about using anyways, and, and it, it always helps people. Now, what type of magnesium do you recommend and what would be the considerations for the different types? Because there are... Like vitamin D, there's just vitamin D, but there's there's multiple different types of magnesium. So how do you go about figuring out which one is best? So the most important is the glycinate, uh, magnesium glycinate. I take a combination of magnesium glycinate and magnesium citrate because when magnesium citrate salt is added along with glycinate, it increases the bioavailability. It increases the absorption of the magnesium into the cell. So that makes it a little bit more efficient. So those two uh, combinations are really good. Uh, there is a brand that has the combination of all seven different salts of magnesium. Uh, and I think it's called BioOptimizer. I like that brand as well, you know, because it's a pretty nice and clean brand. And it has a combination of all those seven glycinates, citrates and all others, uh, which are important for each individual action, you know. And I like the brand as well, you know. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have to check that one out. I haven't heard of that that specific product with all of them in, involved, but that's that's probably a good place to to start looking, anyways. Yes. Um, any other supplements that you would recommend that like most people look into? Of course, there's like a whole world of supplements out there, but like yeah. the main yes, ones. You are you are very right. There is whole world of supplements. But you know that's why I say to start basic vitamin D, magnesium, and the most most important is omega three fatty acid. You know, again, it's just, it's just people were not aware to it, you know, maybe 10 years, a decade mm -hmm. ago, uh, because again, overlooked supplement. But it is so important because you see, I mean, if we talk about aging, we know the main cause of aging is inflammation internally, as far as the processes of aging are going on inside our body. And omega-3 fatty acid causes uh, omega-3 fatty acid actually decreases the inflammation to the utmost level. You know, it's it's required to re reduce the level of inflammation in your body. So omega-3 fatty acids has three kinds of fatty acids, EPA, DHA, which are the two marine sources. Mm -hmm. And then ALA is the plant source. We don't have too much function of ALA, uh, the plant source, but still we need it. But EPA and DHA, they are utmost needed. EPA is basically for the heart functioning, the heart boost, and the DHA is for your brain functioning properly. And we get these two, EPA and DHA, basically from marine sources, that's from the seafood and the fish and all that stuff. And again, you know, we uh, like, you know, and I want to actually tell everybody this, there's an index called omega-3 fatty acid index. That's an index to measure how much omega-3 fatty acids you have in your body. So optimally, it should be around 8%. 
and we all are around in the United States, we all are around 4% to 5%, you know, because it's just because we are not consuming enough marine source of omega-3 fatty acid. As compared to Japan, if you ever study, you know, there was a study conducted and they tried to compare their levels, they are around 10 to 12%, which is even more than the uh, optimal level, which is too good, you know, and that's just because they do consume a lot of marine sources. So I urge people, I urge my clients that, you know, start consuming good quality fish, especially, you know, small fish like uh, sardines and uh, good seafood and also um you know, salmon, but avoid big fish like swordfish, halibut, because they'll be full of magnesium, uh, they'll be full of uh, mercury and you don't need the contamination of mercury in your food. But definitely, again, do your testing and then consume good amount of fish and seafood and also consume your omega-3 fatty acid supplements around 1.5 to 2 gram initially to begin with. And once you know that your levels are quite settled, uh, come back to 1 gram or 1.5 gram. Uh, that is what I consume every day, 1.5 gram. I try to uh, consume it because I know, again, the problem with omega-3 fatty acid, you never know when they do all that titration while making how yeah. clean the omega-3 and how much uh, mercury it would have. So I I take a supplement, uh, I prescribe myself and we get it from the pharmacy uh, because it's the FDA recommended one is FDA approved. So we know that it has been tested that it will not have mercury levels or it will be a clean, clean brand. Right. But definitely, I mean, it is utmost important supplement to basically uh, hunker down your inflammation in the body. You know, there's a study that I wanted to actually, You, we all know that, you know, trans fat is bad. The consumption of trans fat is bad. Processed food is bad, you know. And there was a study conducted. We know that the death in ear because of consuming the bad fat or trans fat or processed food is 82,000 deaths per year. And if you are basically deficient in omega-3 fatty acids, the death because of lack of omega-3 fatty acids is 84,000. So you see how close they are. We all know, okay, consuming bad fat is bad, uh, trans fat is bad, and, you know, processed food is bad. But at the same time, think about this. If you're lacking in omega-3, even, hmm. and then you see the amount of deaths per year, it's, it's pretty similar, 82,000 over there, 84,000. So you see, it's, it's not consuming omega-3 is as bad as consuming trans fat. You see? Wow. Yeah, that I mean, that is definitely a stat that I didn't know. And that really brings into more question some of these things is like, hey, why are we, you know, it's a good thing that we got rid of most of the trans fats and people are generally like aware that like, hey, trans fat is bad, do not consume. But to your point, you no, know, we're we're e- we're also unaware. I think most people have heard of omega three. They probably think, oh yeah, that's that's healthy, but they don't really care about it or know that much about it or know why it's healthy or or use it per se. And so that's still causing like an equal amount of deaths. That's actually extremely extremely interesting and extremely sad, but extremely interesting that it hasn't been promoted in the same way that the anti trans fat movement um, caught on, and and again, right rightfully so. Yeah. Is there an ideal um, ratio in the omega threes that people should be looking for EPA to DHA? Uh, I uh, I can't say much on it. I cannot. I do not know that. Okay. But I think EPA DHA is is it's a good question. I should have been knowing it, but I think it's it's pretty similar. But I will look. You need you it. need both either way. So. Yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. need both. I mean, you need one for the heart health, the other one for the brain, and I think it's pretty similar to each other. Um, so I think the ratio should be one, but uh, I, I will look into it. I'm not really much sure about it because different supplements just have different breakdowns, and yeah. right. so you know. Yeah. But um, so I think that that's you know pretty solid on the supplements, and again, gives people some some. People who are already exercising, who are already taking care of some of those basic things, like it gives you some good information as to like, yeah. hey, here's some next steps you can do. Now, the last big bucket that we didn't really talk about and we'll you know kind of finish here is sleep. We all know that we should be sleeping better. We all know that we should be sleeping more. We all know that we should care about this a little bit more. We know that we should be, uh, you know, not scrolling on your phone and not staying up late and you know all these things, but yet we still do it. So <laughs> let let people know like what are the deleterious effects of not sleeping well every night? 
So first of all, I mean, sleeping is non-negotiable. It is one of the important pillar for anti-aging, you know, or um, it's it's a very, very important fundamental pillar for age-related disease, you know. So people, when, when, what is actually lack of sleep? We should be ideally sleeping around 70, seven to eight hours per night, right? But people who are sleeping around four to five hours and then their latency period is 30 minutes. That means the time that they take from going to sleep. I mean, being on the bed and really falling asleep is 30 minutes. And then next day, if they're taking naps. So you're just sleeping for four to five hours in a night. 30 minutes latency period. And the third point is taking two or three naps next day morning. So if you ever see those three uh, symptoms, then you know that your sleep is not enough, that your sleep hygiene is totally poor. And there can be a lot of problems because of sleep, you know, the lack of sleep. Because, I mean, sleep is detrimental. You see, I mean, we all know that stem cells are so important. You know, stem cells are basically the body guards. You know, they are those guarding cells that... Anywhere your body needs, anywhere there's a disease or some kind of uh, repair or construction happening, it goes from that basic pluripotent mode and then go to that specific place to basically do the function, right? But because of lack of sleep, if you're not sleeping seven to eight hours, but they're sleeping four hours per night, you know, basically you're causing reduction in your stem cell functioning and your stem cell efficiency by 50%. So you see, I mean, it's, I mean, sleep is so, so important because during sleep, not only that you need it for your strength and for your focus, and it is also very important to clear away all those bad proteins. You know, your CSF, the cerebrospinal fluid, have those beta amyloid proteins. So during the deep sleep, your lymphatic systems of your CSF, which is called glymphatic system, like just like our body has lymphatic system, which is a detoxification method, right? Your brain also, your CSF also has a lymphatic system and that is called glymphatic system. That glymphatic system is clearing away all the toxins and the toxins of CSF is beta amyloid. So if there's a collection of all these beta amyloid in the CSF, on a chronic level, that is the cause of causing uh, the Alzheimer's disease or dementia. So again, if you're not sleeping enough, if you're just sleeping four to five hours per night, your risk of having Alzheimer's is increased by two times. So, you know, sleep is just important, not only for your focus, for your memory, for your over vitality. It's also needed for, uh, you know, people who don't sleep enough. They are the perfect example for the risk factor of having to develop pre-diabetes. You know, um, for one week you don't sleep. There was a study done. For one week, these patients, they didn't sleep enough. They just slept for four to five hours versus um, other patients who, you know, other cli- other uh, cases versus control, the control group who slept enough. There was increase in the risk of pre-diabetes in these just one week of lack of sleep. Yeah. Perfect patient, perfect people, uh, these cases were actually pre-diabetic was as, con- as compared to the control group. So it's, uh, it's, it's really, really important. And some people like, you know, they are so addicted to be basically sitting in front of the cell phones and iPad. <laughs> but I think it's just... It's, I think it's, it's a circadian rhythm, you know. I mean, circadian rhythm is something that you train your brain to follow that rhythm. I know all these things are so attractive to basically sit in front of, you know, watching late night movies and eating and binging and whatever. It is very attractive. It, you feel good because obviously you're, when you're eating and, and you're, you know, you're not in that mode of, because after 5 p.m., as per your circadian rhythm, your melatonin is active. And in the morning, when you get exposed to the sunlight, your adrenaline is active so that you can do your day-to-day activity. Mm -hmm. But if you're just going against the rhythm, you are basically shutting down the whole cycle. You are kind of just killing your melatonin and you're eating and then you are basically telling your body that it's a daytime because when that sugar goes in your body, when that food goes in your body, the glucose goes in your body that stimulates the production of uh, adrenaline and you think that it's a daytime and then again, it's just like a vicious cycle. So during the night, basically you're sitting, eating, watching, thinking that it's a daytime because you're totally killed your melatonin. So it's important to basically maintain your uh, circadian rhythm. And, and it's, it's, there are easy steps to do that. 
um, it's just that you got to be motivated to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I think the bringing uh, your environment to the real dark environment after that time of 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., you know, just be not exposed to the blue light and bright light. Those are the two very, very important factors um, for actually having your body to basically go into the mode when you have enough melatonin that actually induce sleep. Yeah. I mean, if you're not sleeping well and not taking, and you're not doing anything to try and help yourself, this is 100% just on you. We're all, we would all love to just scroll TikTok all day and just do nothing and let your brain melt and eat potato chips in bed. And like, yeah, that would obviously feel good to do it like once, then twice, three times. Like, yeah, your body can adapt, but you're fighting a losing battle. You're fighting against biology and you're not you're not going to beat that you're not going to win that it's like you try and go outside in the in the middle of the desert like you're not going to beat the sun that's not this is not a thing that you can it's not a battle that you can win so you need to start uh, you know you can't beat them join them so you can't just get around it maybe you should just actually pay attention to your sleep get the phone away get the lights off get your mood set get your in physical environment set up correctly so that you can actually sleep and and help yourself this is not this is not about anyone else. This is just you. And so you can try and ignore it or you can try and kind of like, Hey, maybe I'll just roll with this and I'm going to actually feel way better. And and you will. Exactly. I mean, absolutely. This just going against the biology of your body. That's basically road to be going into, you know, all those uh, high risk factors for diseases. Right. Exactly. And And it's an entry point into that vicious cycle to bring things full circle, right? Like when you stay up late, you're more stressed. So then you want to eat, shittier foods the next day and then that's going to make you gain more weight which puts more fat which puts more inflammation which Mm -hmm. makes it harder to sleep which just like it it just rolls and rolls and rolls down so you got to start stop it somewhere and for some of you just improving your sleep is going to be the thing that's like oh all i did was improve my sleep and i lost weight got healthier blah blah all these things but i mean even with less effort on any other uh those foundations that we talked about if you just work on your sleep you can just see the improvement definitely your overall health yes exactly it's very easy so if if you're wondering where to start start there uh dr mani is there anything else that we missed that you want to cover today it's pretty much, I mean, all the important, um, just um, the important supplements and micronutrients. I mean, there. I know that we have so much other advancement like photomodulation, PRP therapies, peptides, hormones. We can talk so much on that. But, you know, just to begin with, these are some basic level improvements that we can actually just, um, uh, you know, bring in our life uh, for just you know, just general population. And then once you have actually been able to balance all this, then you can move into more advanced. You know, just like I said, definitely, I mean, I love Daniel's sauna. Sauna therapy is so, so good. And, you know, exercising that hit uh, the high intensity that I do, anytime that you can sweat your body, that's that's the basic i mean that's the best thing that you can do for your body you sit in the sauna you 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 sweat you detoxify you do the high intensity exercise you sweat you detoxify and when your body is all nice and clean it's able to do its function right right so these are pretty much basics that we can talk maybe uh, the other next time next mm-hmm. session we can talk about the advanced therapies that we can do you know i mean definitely sauna therapy then we can talk about the science of that and uh, i i love heat and cold exposure because again that is that is one road to basically activate your certain genes you know the anti-aging genes and then definitely red light therapy so we can talk about all that later but those are other big factors that you can optimize but these are the basic things that what we talked about today um, just basic fundamentals yeah agreed and i mean again we've said it a few times but there's no there's no getting around the uh the basics so we can we can cover the all the you know level two kind of stuff um in in another conversation because obviously it will it'll, you know it'll be a long <laughs> long uh, chat but yeah. um but yeah, no, that's great. Thank you so much um, for sharing all this stuff with us. I think it's, you know, it's super helpful and people can't hear these things enough because as many times as we've said this here and other people have talked about these things, these basic issues of adequate nutrition, adequate sleep, adequate training are still plaguing the population. We are still not doing this collectively. So we need more of this. And if you are listening to this, like, yeah, I already knew all that stuff. Great. Thanks. Go tell someone else because obviously everyone doesn't know this. And if they know it, they're not doing it. So we need to continue to, to share this information. Yeah, so and I more, appreciate the work more, that you're doing. 
we say that these are basic simple things but then again when i see the statistics these are the most ignored things right what if we can correct these i mean we can literally 80% correct our uh, optimized health optimization yeah exactly the level 2 stuff the sauna the red light the 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 peptides the whatever it doesn't matter if you <laughs> sleep 3 hours a night you can't out sauna your bad sleep or no exercise or poor nutrition so, um, yeah, we just got to keep getting this out there. So again, I, I appreciate the, the work that you're doing, uh, your, you know, your upcoming book. Um, and so I, I appreciate all that. Thank you very much for having me at your platform. Of course. Um, where can people find you, uh, your contact info and social media website, all those things, I'll put it all in the show notes, but, but let people know. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite active education wise, uh, on my social media, my Instagram, Dr. Dr. Underscore money dot k-u-k-r-e-j-a and my website is liveagewell.net and um, so you, you, you can always email me contact me up there i'm always available for any issues or any questions that you have awesome i'll put that in the in the show notes so people can get in touch with you uh link uh, below and that's that dr mani thank you so much again for being here i, I appreciate your time and sharing with us um, i appreciate each and every one of you for listening um, please share this episode with a friend, you know, like, share, subscribe, all those uh, good things. Follow us both on social media. Um, that's that. Go outside, be a good person. See you next time.